Welcome to Beyond the Show, the podcast home of all things Cannabis Conference. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of the Cannabis Group at GIE Media. You know, I wouldn't normally bring this up, but since September 23rd lands on a Friday this year, and I've got a big old microphone in front of me, I suppose I will. Today's my birthday, and I wouldn't want to spend it with anyone other than our Beyond the Show audience. This is episode 46, and what started out as an experiment in conference content promotion has turned into an almost weekly chronicle of the industry's ups and downs, its innovations and achievements. We like to tell the stories of business development and growth on this show, and by God, we're going to do that once again today. On today's episode, we're pleased to present Arshad Lassi, the CEO of the Nirvana Group, an Oklahoma-based cannabis business complete with cultivation, extraction, distribution, and wholesale operations. The company has grand ambitions, and we certainly talked about that in our interview. So please enjoy my conversation with Arshad Lassi. Hello, Arshad, and welcome to the show this week. Very glad to get a chance to talk to you and turn our attention to Oklahoma as well as New Mexico. We'll We'll cover a bit of both those state markets there for reasons that will become obvious to listeners very soon here. Um, right. To uh, to begin, could you maybe sort of set the stage for us and provide a bit of the Nirvana Group's origin story in Oklahoma? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. Super excited to be on your show. Um, but uh, Nirvana kind of got started uh, about 10 years ago in 2012. Uh, my dad he started a smoke shop in Tulsa, Oklahoma and and happened to call it Nirvana. Um, And then in 2019, when our first dispensaries opened, we kind of transitioned from just a single smoke shop um, to, you know, multiple dispensaries and then eventually got vertically integrated. And then um, now we're expanding into new markets. Excellent. Uh, and I'd imagine, um, not to make assumptions here, but but going back 10 years or so, that, um, you know, the long-term vision has probably changed a bit over time. Could you talk oh. a bit about uh, about um, about those evolving goals and, and maybe what your goals were early on in, in sort of the smoke shop era, so to speak, and, and how those changed over time? Sure. I mean, when my dad started it, um, his smoke shop, it was just, you know, it was an opportunity. It was something that was making money um, and you could grow in. Um, and then when cannabis came through, our entire model or vision changed. Um, we realized there's so much opportunity in the cannabis space. Um, when we initially got started, you know, we didn't know very much about the industry or, or the business. And we kind of learned as we went. And, um, you know, we we just thought, OK, we'd open a couple of dispensaries and things would be great. Um, and then as we kind of got mature and um, more complex, we realized that, oh, you know, there's opportunities in cultivation and extraction and processing and manufacturing products. And, you know, we we can do this as well. And, and it just all kind of comes together. And our vision has continued to evolve. Um, you know, a year ago, we didn't think we'd leave Oklahoma and, and, and you know, be on the cusp of being uh, an MSO, if you will. But today, here we are. Um, you know, hoping to start in New Mexico in the next 60 days. So exciting times. Yeah. And I'm definitely eager to dive into some of that New Mexico context. Um, but of course, Oklahoma itself is a super interesting state just for a lot of reasons, even for, you know, listeners uh, from the outside looking in. From your perspective, though, what are some of the things about Oklahoma that might make it a, a fruitful state to begin this kind of work in the cannabis industry? 
Well, I mean, the biggest, uh, the best part about Oklahoma, I guess, is the fact that it's pretty easy um, or it used to used to be able to get a license relatively easy. The cost of opening, um, the level of restrictions on, you know, the average person were non-existent. It was a really level, flare, fair playing field. Um, now it's uh, there's a moratorium on on medical cannabis licenses for the next two years. Uh, it started at the end of August. Um, so it's it's obviously going to be a little bit more difficult. If you want to start in Oklahoma, you have to purchase a license or find another way to get one. Um, but in the beginning, it was not, you know, it was a land of opportunity for everybody. Yeah, I'm curious just about, um, I suppose, brand differentiation or, or competition among brands, given, you know, the free market uh, aspects of Oklahoma, at least for the last few years. What are some of the ways that the Nirvana Group has, um, you know, made efforts to stand out from what is a fairly crowded marketplace. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's extremely competitive. Um, but I think that competition led to innovation really quickly uh, because like you said, you have to stand out and produce unique products, uh, higher quality products. And then you also have to be able to compete at price and scale. Um, and you can only really get the price low if you're able to do, you know, um, scalable production and volume production of your products. Um, but we noticed there was a huge market of beverages. So we kind of got into that space pretty early on and have had a lot of success with it. Um, and vertical integration and being able to cultivate our own flower and then take that, turn it into oil or live resin or extract, and then use that to you know sell our consumer packaged goods has been a huge plus point as well. It helps us you know, not have to rely on other businesses or vendor relationships. We can do everything in-house and then supplement that um, with our relationships. So those are kind of the things that allowed us to um, be able to sustain through some of the, the tough times that have happened in Oklahoma as well. Yeah, seems like a, a nice, you know, fairly diverse portfolio there. It's I always find it exciting just to, to hear, you know, to hear about success with beverages one other brand I wanted to flag here just for the listeners was uh, this cannabis infused sauce line, Saws with a Z. Uh, could you uh, describe that line a little bit and, and what led you and the team to pursue that kind of product? Sure. Um, well, we in Oklahoma love our barbecue. So mm -hmm. um, definitely we had a lot of people asking us, you know, like we had this, uh, we were able to create this uh, nano water emulsified tasteless um, emulsion and infusion um, so we initially, we used it in beverages. We're now going to be using it in seltzers. We've used it in our edibles. And, um, you know, we were curious how far can we take this? Could we cook a sauce from scratch and infuse it? Um, and we had some folks who were like, you know, I'll give you my secret barbecue recipe. And if you'll infuse it for us and we're like, okay, well, maybe this is something that we can look into. Um, and we just, you know, we had one of our chefs start cooking something up and we incorporated the infusion process into it. And the result was uh, was pretty good. So we decided that, you know, let's let's launch a line of six to eight SKUs and and see if there's a market for it. Um, and we initially launched in the Delta Aid space um, just to kind of test the waters. And, and it was pretty successful. So then now we're going to be launching it in the, uh, the Delta 9 THC space as well. Love it. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. And you know, I just think that product lines like that or, or brands like that are, are the things that really catch my attention. And I just think, especially as a lot of these markets mature, whether it's Oklahoma or, or other states, um, SKUs that that include product lines like that are, are 
I don't know. They're just very eye-catching. And it's exciting to see uh, licensed businesses really take them on in, in the market. Yeah, it's something different. And, uh, you know, everyone has done mints and, and things like that. So here's mm -hmm. like a novelty item. Yeah. Um, well, as you mentioned, of course, uh, New Mexico is on the radar and uh, even more so than that, uh, coming up pretty quickly here for you guys. Um, in a general sense, how did you and the team go about planning for expansion across state lines? Um, well, we, you know, we knew New Mexico is going from medical to recreational state. Um, and we were also, we also have a license pending in, um, New Jersey. Um, so we were already kind of looking at expanding at least with the manufacturing aspect of our business and the brands into new markets. And, uh, we saw an opportunity in New Mexico where, you know, they, they have a limited variety of product manufactured by a handful of brands, um, definitely could take a little bit more color and some, you know, unique products like sauce and beverages and things like that. So we saw it as a land of opportunity again. Um, so we, you know, we said, let's, let's give it a shot. Um, we looked for real estate and that was really tough, but once we were able to get all those things secured, um, you know, we, we got our license, we were awarded our license in, uh, in August. Um, and you know, now we're going to be setting up shop, uh, there in Albuquerque. Fantastic. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, you know, adult use is is online there in New Mexico. Uh, what? How does that kind of regulatory landscape or even marketplace um, change some of your your strategies to date? Uh, whether that's different genetic selection or, or different types of products, how do you um, meet that challenge of a, a much broader consumer base? Well, it's definitely a different kind of consumer than a medical consumer. Um, it's and it, it also opens the doors for a variety of people who maybe have not considered cannabis as um, you know a recreational product, or maybe there was a stigma behind it being a drug. Um, and now that it's more socially acceptable, your community has had medical cannabis for a while. It's become kind of normal. Um, now that recreational is available, you know, you feel a lot more comfortable maybe giving it a shot. So you're, you're going after, you know, multiple different segments of consumers, but, um, you know, people are curious to try it and, you know, a lot of people consume cannabis. It's, it's pretty normal across America. Um, so you just kind of cater to what they need. Uh, we definitely go for more creative, fun products. Um, you know, we, we, We'll also cater to the medical side of things, um, but we just try to bring a little bit more color and fun into it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, speaking of that idea of just normalization across the U.S., I know uh, you recently wrote for Rolling Stone about this idea of cannabis as a commodity, this commoditization uh, mm -hmm. in the industry. And, and we can certainly add the link in our show notes. But I was wondering, you know, while we're here, if you could maybe elaborate on that idea, what it means to you and, and why it's important to think about. Well, um, I think it's it's interesting. You know, we've seen cannabis as this regulated Schedule One, you know, illegal product, and then you you see it turn into a regulated product, um, and now you're seeing like the birthplace of you know cannabis consumer brands um, that are uh, you know like Wild or Wana or Smokies um, that are nationwide, um, so to speak. They're not in every state, but they're in a majority of these states. Some of them have gone international. Um, selling in you know European markets as well as the Canadian market. So I think that eventually cannabis will become and, and will be treated like other commodities like um, sugar and corn um, or you know gasoline or anything like that because it's going to be so commonplace that 
everyone's going to consume it. It's going to, and it's not just going to be, you know, a, a consumption thing, but it's going to be part of, you know, toothpaste and hair products the same way CBD had its place. But I believe cannabis will have, you know, a longer life cycle and, and it may even make a permanent home on the stores of grocery shelves. Um, and that's where this market is going to head. And it may not be in the next five to 10 years, but eventually, you know, that is the reality of what cannabis is going to look like. Yeah, I think it's it's a, a really interesting idea to think about, especially in that long term frame. And, uh, you know, I thought it was an interesting piece. And I'm curious if you could maybe talk about, I guess, thought leadership in the industry in general. I know, I mean, you've written a handful of pieces. And of course, you've been in the industry for a while now. But why is it important to, I guess, try to wrap our heads around these ideas and, and have these discussions openly? Well, I, um, at least from my perspective, you know, um, I don't come from a big business background or uh, a corporate background. My family has been pretty entrepreneurial. So thinking about, you know, big business is kind of, um, it's daunting in a sense, um, managing thousands of employees and having that structure and, and, you know, the concept of boardroom politics and, and, and all those different things, it's, it's a little bit different, but if you, and I, and I feel like a lot of other cannabis operators, um, you know, a lot of us are not big businesses doing billions of dollars in revenue, where we, we were categorized into the small business category, we're operating at a level which is still not super corporate. Um, and a lot of these businesses are operated by people who were, you know, may did not come for money and they kind of built their legacy in cannabis. Um, if we don't think about what's next, who will? And it's having those open conversations and then getting criticized by your peers or reviewed by your peers and getting feedback from them that helps you kind of shape, you know, what direction you want to go in. And, and that also kind of ties into where the industry goes is if all of us decide this is how we're going to do things, then that's how things are going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, I know uh, not to have you sort of act as the voice of a generation here, but, but I know you're on, on the younger end of the spectrum of, of people working in the cannabis industry. And of course um, you've got people aging into the cannabis market every day, you know, turning 21 and becoming consumers in the legal marketplace. I, so I wanted to ask, um, you know, I guess what, what kind of advice would you give to to someone who might be looking to get into this industry? And that could certainly be on the ground floor in, in, in retail as bud tenders. But of course, there are a lot of smart, driven entrepreneurs or prospective entrepreneurs who are maybe coming out of business school and, and really want to pursue this particular industry. Uh, it's 2022 has not been the easiest, you know, year in cannabis, but but I guess what is so what kind of advice might you give to folks who want to make a run at a career in cannabis? I mean, as cliche as, cliche as it sounds, you know, hard work does go a long way. Um, and it's not saying no to opportunities that come across you. Um, you know, sometimes it is, as you said, starting as a bud tender, but if you're driven and you're smart and you're hardworking, then you can, you can move up and you can have more mobility in your life. Um, and on the entrepreneurial side, you know, it's tough. Um, and you have to be able to sometimes bite the bullet and, um, and tough it out, um, and make tough decisions and, uh, and make sacrifices, but those things do lead, um, you know, to better things. So just have faith. Absolutely. Well, one thing I always like to ask is just sort of, you know, what's on the horizon and, and what should folks be keeping an eye out for from, from folks I'm talking to. And, but obviously you, you've got New Mexico, um, in, in the very near future here, what do the next 60 days look like for you? And, and what are some, what are some things that you're hoping to make sure you achieve in, in that time frame? Uh, definitely a lot of travel, uh, mm -hmm. going back and forth between Oklahoma and New Mexico. And then, um, 
seeing my family and things like that. But, you know, we, we just kind of want to make sure that we are able to finish our construction and modifications to our property and, uh, and complete, you know, our, our, our commercial kitchen and hopefully start cooking uh, by mid-October so we can be on shelves uh, before Thanksgiving and Black Friday. Fantastic. Well, we will we will eagerly be following along and, and definitely hope to keep in touch. And in the meantime, Arshad, it was great having you on the show this week and, and just getting a chance to catch up on what the Nirvana Group is up to. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was great speaking with you. And that's a wrap on another episode of Beyond the Show. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Arshad Lassie of the Nirvana Group down in Oklahoma and very soon here, New Mexico. It was always fun to talk about this idea of expanding across state lines and taking lessons from one medical cannabis market and bringing them into another adult use market. And uh, certainly a lot of lessons there for, for many different types of cannabis business operators. It's also nice to, you know, briefly shine a spotlight on New Mexico. And I mention that only because uh, we've got a ton of New Mexico coverage over at CannabisBusinessTimes.com. You can pull up our state-by-state coverage at the, the menu bar up at the top of the homepage there. Um, but, you know, they just started adult use sales back in April. So it's been, what is that, coming up on six months here. Uh, but a very compelling and interesting market developing down there in the Southwest. We had a lot of folks from New Mexico out at Cannabis Conference this year, just a few weeks ago in Las Vegas. The proximity certainly helps. And uh, definitely a market that we want to keep our eyes on. So it's pretty exciting to see what the Nirvana Group is doing and planning for New Mexico. And we'll certainly, uh, like I said, we'll be keeping in touch with Arshad and his group in the uh, in the future here. But until then, Beyond the Show is going to continue going all over the U.S., really all over the world to an extent here as businesses continue to develop and grow, certainly across state lines, certainly within states. Always an exciting story to tell. And we'll be here on Fridays sharing those stories with you. 